on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Welcome in. It is a lovely Thursday night, last Thursday of January, and exactly 30 days from today, we'll be talking about a Brewers baseball game. Yep, spring training, February 25th, 2023, 30 days away. Man, it's going to be here before we know it. I cannot wait. should be a whole lot of fun. So today, we do have what should be a national holiday. It is Bob Euchre's birthday today. You may have seen it on social media. It's uh, been cool to see all the love for him. 89 years young for Bob Euchre. He doesn't sound it, as you know, because you listen to him. Uh, I, I don't really have as, you know, a longer, a long of a catalog of Bob Euchre stories like you've seen maybe from other people uh, or heard from other people. But we'll play some clips throughout the day of uh, Bob Euchre's appearances on uh, the Johnny Carson show. I've got some Hall of Fame uh, induction speeches in there as well. So uh, we're going to have some time to talk about Euchre today, and we're going to have some fun with it as well. So uh, happy birthday, Euchre. And I I guess when it comes to how spoiled we are to have such great radio talents here in this city and Euchre being the stalwart of it for so long... Reminder, his former partner, former Brewers voice, former Marquette voice, Pat Hughes, of course now with the Cubs, is uh, headed for the Hall of Fame as well. He just received the Ford C. Frick Award. We'll talk Hall of Fame a little bit later. We'll talk uh, your fan questions as well. We'll talk about Scott Rowland, of course, making it into the Hall of Fame with Fred McGriff. Uh, But there was some news this week. You know, it kind of got shoveled off to the side because it felt like it was a foregone conclusion, but the Brewers officially... Signed Brian Anderson. No, not, not that Brian Anderson, the, the player Brian Anderson. That was official. We reported it last week, but now it's actually in the world. Went through some physicals and uh, made the corresponding move as well. The Brewers roster is full. So the utility man, Brian Anderson, now joining the Brew crew. And there's a lot that we learned about him as far as dealing with injuries last season. I'll let I'll let him talk about that and just what he wants to look forward to coming here to Milwaukee. So we're going to play some clips here. About Brian Anderson, we're going to dive into his role a little bit deeper on in the show. He's in a few of these questions as well. But first and foremost, how excited is Brian Anderson to be a Milwaukee Brewer? I'm just excited to be uh, with an organization that uh, whose focus is really on winning and, and competing at every level. And I think that's something that I'm looking forward to and uh, you know, looking forward to, to seeing the city of Milwaukee and uh, playing in a great stadium. Um, there's, there's a lot that I think uh, really, really attracted me to, uh, to Milwaukee. I love the thought that, you know, he, he's somebody that says a winning team, right? He said it multiple times in getting to a winning culture. I'm not trying to, you know, take down the Marlins while saying this. But, look, the Marlins haven't been about winning for a long time. And I know they made the playoffs in 2020. 2020 doesn't count, guys. Like, let's be honest. Let's be. The Marlins made the playoffs. Uh, the Brewers made the playoffs as a sub-500 team. I know that counted to the streak. But 2020 was weird, guys. Like, it was such a weird year. And... Look, the Marlins have not been a winning team, and they don't really have a winning reputation. He's now played for multiple general managers with the Marlins. They were the team that drafted him out of Arkansas. So I think he was ready for a change when they non-tendered him. He dealt with some injuries last year, and uh, he's getting better. Let's talk about some of those injuries that he has dealt with over the last few years. Uh, there are some serious ones in there, but hear from Brian first. I think that consistency of play is really big. I think for me, I really fought through uh, the shoulder thing. Um, in 21, I tried to play through it, um, but 
you know, as of now, I feel great. I'm healthy. I'm working out. Everything's full go. I, I don't even notice my shoulder anymore. So the shoulder that he's talking about, he went through shoulder subluxation and actually had to get uh, placed on the 60-day IL for this as well. Basically, shoulder subluxation, if you don't know, when your shoulder basically pops out of the socket but not all the way out, and it's just that little gap between actually being out, you know, where you just, oh, I'm just popping back in, I'm fine, but just that stretch of the tendons and weakens the, the, the joint overall. So imagine playing through that, swinging a bat through that. It's uh, not very fun. So he was playing through that in 2021. That's when his numbers really started to suffer. And he had some back issues last season as well. He had a broken finger as well in the past. So he's uh, he's not exactly stayed on the field, kind of like Jesse Winker. But in similar to Jesse Winker, the Brewers are in a, in a mode with him saying, hey, this team didn't like you. This team felt that you were expendable. We see value in you having a bounce back year. And the other thing is, He's not going to be looked upon as a primary source of offense. He's not even going to be a primary everyday player, if we're being completely honest. So uh, there's something to that, and there's something about being on a winning team that knows they are going to be fighting for the playoffs and the team wants to make the team better. I want to be with a, a winning team and a winning culture and and be a part of that that fun baseball again. Uh, that's more what I'm looking forward to than anything. Uh, third base, first base, outfield, it doesn't really matter to me. So he teased it there, too, position-wise. Where the heck is he going to play? This is one of the questions we got during uh, my fan uh, you know, call out to everybody saying, hey, you want got some questions? I'll, I'll try to answer them. So uh, this question came from Carl. Is Brian Anderson going to be playing at third base or outfield more this season? So you also heard him say a little bit of first base. The Brewers hinted to him, and he told this to the media this week, that they're open to him learning first base. And that sends up some signals on some other stuff a little bit later on in the show as well. But... He's primarily a third baseman and a right fielder. And you look at what the Brewers have going on right now, especially when it comes to utility infielders. Owen Miller on the 40-man, Abraham Toro on the 40-man, Mike Brasso still on the 40-man. You've got multiple options. In addition to Luis Urias, who was practically the everyday third baseman last season, in case, you know, figure out what you want to have. Now, granted, Toro still has an option remaining, so he can... Be on the 40-man this year in spring training and then be optioned to the minor leagues for this last season. Uh, and then he would have to be on the roster all of next year and kick that can down the road. So that's certainly an option as well. Urias maybe slates to be a third baseman. You think about all their third basemen being right-handed as well is something to think about. That's pretty much a logjam there. But then right field comes into the picture. And you think, well, okay, well, what about Sal Freelick? And what about Garrett Mitchell? What about Tyrone Taylor? And Yelich is going to be playing left field. So... There's not a lot of room for him. It'll be a case-by-case basis. I don't see a ton of playing time for Brian Anderson. Uh, his numbers last season, looking at them in 98 games, he hit 222, only a 657 OPS. Again, injuries had something to do with that. His slugging has dropped every year since 2019. Granted, 2019, the juiced ball year. He was fourth in Rookie of the Year voting in 2018. Uh, he had a 757 OPS that season in his rookie year, playing in virtually every game. So he's done it before. They would just like to see a healthy season out of him and see what we can get. He hit eight home runs last season. And remember, Marlins Park, or Lone Depot Park is how they call it now, is ginormous. It is not a hitter-friendly ballpark. So some of these numbers take with a grain of salt because, yes, his OPS plus the last two years have been bad. That's park-adjusted. But 18, 19, and 20, his OPS plus was above league average. 110, 112, and 116. So it's in there if he's healthy and he 
continues to reiterate he is healthy. He's been gaining muscle this offseason and very excited to get to spring training with the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room real quick, though. Yes, he shares a name with the television broadcaster, Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson, have you met Brian Anderson? Mm-hmm. Bob, who can smack a long ball. I've met him uh, like two or three times, you know, just uh, over the course of running, running into each other in Milwaukee. In college, uh, whenever we were going through all the, the pre-draft stuff, there was actually an article written where somebody said, uh, I suffered from boring name syndrome. And that, that was like one of the, the things. I'm like, well, now it's actually working out to my advantage. So here we go. So Brian Anderson, yes, has met our BA here. And remember, when the Brewers play the Rays, uh, if BA is on the call of that game, it'll be Brian Anderson calling Brian Anderson. And in the other booth, their analyst on the Tampa Bay Rays, his name is Brian Anderson. So you'll have two Brian Andersons calling a Brian Anderson at bat. That'll be fun. <laughs> Let's get some more of these questions. You're all always welcome to join in on the show, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. The Old National Bank talk and text line, Old National Bank, get old. And I teased one of those Bob Euchre quotes. We'll play one of those coming out on the other side on Bob Euchre's 89th birthday. Stay with us. Just getting rolling. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Mm-hmm. Bob, who can smack a long ball. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Wait a minute. Is this, uh... Someone ahead. like 200 feet. They're unbelievable. <laughs> and that was before the lively ball. Well, that's, yeah. that was when they had the dead ball. You had to see it to believe it. I mean, I can't. I can tell you, but you had to see it to believe it. <laughs> no, here's, here's a batting average here of one, 147. Well, I was screwing around. I didn't, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Bob Euchre with Johnny Carson back in the day. We'll have plenty more clips coming up here on Bob Euchre's birthday. You only get to celebrate your birthday once a year. You know, unless you're Bob Euchre, we can celebrate it every day if we really wanted to. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. Justin Pottinger is our uh, producer tonight. And uh, we got the TVs up here. We're watching sports. Uh, MLB Network just finished up its top shortstops countdown and its top 100 prospect countdown. So a lot to get through in that as well, and your questions that have been rolling in on my Twitter and on my Instagram. On Twitter, I'm Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. And on Instagram, it's a little easier, just Dom Brewers WTMJ. So uh, let's get to a few of these questions, shall we? And one of the more common questions is about lineups. That'll be a little bit later on. I'll have a full segment about lineups about that later on here in the program. But let's start about with some... Uh, some news, some notes. One coming, one question coming from Connor Schmidt. Connor asks, "Who's on the trade block, and are there any more moves becoming coming before the season starts and the offseason ends?" So let's be honest about trades. You're going to hear rumors from people who aren't on the ground here in Milwaukee all year long. Oh, the Brewers are going to trade Corbin Burns. Yeah, they're totally going to trade Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, they're totally going to trade with guys. It's clickbait. You're better than this. So I think, and this is this is now me talking. I think the Brewers, in a way, have learned their lesson after the Josh Hader trade last year. Granted, in a way, you can thank the Josh Hader trade for them getting William Contreras. But I digress. I think they've learned their lesson in a way that trading a starting pitcher, especially a starter, not a closer, a starting pitcher mid-season, when you're competing, you know, you're definitely still competitive. And if the pitcher's performing, the team's probably going to be performing. And when it comes to Burns and when it comes to Hader, two very popular players... I think the Brewers realize, you know what? This is going to be one of those things that we're going to have to let it ride or wait till the offseason on if they're going to trade Burns or Woodruff or Adamas or someone of that high-profile nature. Personally, this is my gut talking, I don't think they trade him this season. 
If they're going to trade him, it's going to be the offseason, which I personally, now if I was Matt Arnold, this is just me talking, I would let it ride with Corbin Burns. I'd let it ride. Two years, and then let him walk. Say, hey, look, Corbin, we're going to settle this arbitration deal. We're going to get this right, get you paid. And then next year, get it right. You know, let's try to avoid the, the brouhaha of $740,000 like they're dealing with right now. But basically, it's say, hey, Corbin, we know you're about to be a free agent. Go get him. You know, sayonara, do your best, that kind of thing. I, I could see that happening. The 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 risk you walk there is like, well, maybe the player says, you know what, I, I guess I'll do my best here in free agency, but he wanted a long-term deal. You wonder about the psyche of a player in that regard, but I digress. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen this season. When it comes to any more moves before the offseason ends, Ken Rosenthal just reported this week in The Athletic that the Brewers are among the market for left-handed relievers. And I'm still, I tweeted this like three weeks ago. How is Andrew Chafin still available? Still. It's because it's too expensive. The reliever market doesn't make any sense this year. I mean, the fact that, look, Rodgers pitched some important innings for the Brewers last year. There are some conflicted fan feelings about what Taylor Rodgers did for the Brew crew. But the fact that he got, what was it, uh, thir- uh, $13 million a year to relieve? Like, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous number. Let me get that right before we move on with this. But that deal just destroyed the reliever market. Now, Rodgers has been a closer in the past, and... He's a solid pitcher, and he had a bad last month of the season. That That's fine. I, I totally get that criticism. But the fact that he got paid that much, yeah, he got paid, let me see, three years, $33 million. So he's getting paid $11 million a year by the San Francisco Giants to pitch with his tw- twin brother. That's fun. But if he's getting $11 million a year, Andrew Chafin, not a closer, he's probably going to be asking you know, upwards of five, six, seven million a year. And if the Brewers let Brad Boxberger walk over two million dollars, I, I I don't see it happening. So they're in on reliever markets, specifically left handers. That would be the only deal I could see being made done. Because now you're running out of room. The roster's at forty. At this point, you know, a few weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting, you feel pretty good about your roster. These are the guys you want to roll in the battle with. And any more tweaks, any more moves to this currently as it stands means you're gonna have to risk letting go of a guy that you really like. So the only thing I think the Brewers are looking at right now is left-handed relief. Good question, though, from Connor. A question coming from across the pond. The UK Brew Crew asks, Contreras was a big deal signing. Why haven't we heard much since then? Well, it was signing right around the holidays, and it's cold in Wisconsin. And quite frankly, in the Zoom era we live now, you don't need to have the big welcome press conference anymore. We can do it over Zoom, over the internet. And he's down home in Venezuela, so he doesn't, you know... He's enjoying the winter. We'll see him in spring training. We'll get to meet him for the first time in spring training when pitchers and catchers report uh, in a couple of weeks' time on February 16th. But don't don't overthink it. He, he's at home. He's ready to go. He's changed his profile pictures to be Brewers jersey swap. So uh, let it be. He'll be fine. It uh, should be a lot of fun with that. I, I can't wait to see William Contreras get to know his new staff. I'm not sure if he's going to play in the World Baseball Classic. Um, I don't. I don't think uh, Wilson is, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw that right. Wilson's not because he wants to familiarize himself with the Cardinals. I imagine that Williams probably going to be in the same boat. Oh, Justin gave me a face there. The Cubs fan here in the booth. Uh, you know, Wilson going to the Cardinals makes me sick. Uh, whatever. Cry. Go cry. Um, Bruce fans are on my side. Just saying. Uh, we got the little brother who can hit as well, and he's going to be a really good defensive catcher, I think, one day. Because now that Walker McKinvin and crew are going to. Get their hands on him. So I'm excited about that. 
Uh, a few more questions rolling in here. We're going to talk about Willie Adamas in the next segment, but here's a question from Will Jensen asking, are the Brewers more likely to trade Burns or extend Willie this year? And as I just outlined, outlined in the last uh, answer about Corbin Burns, I don't think they're going to trade Corbin, which means by default, I would think they would extend Willie Adamas. Now, that doesn't mean I think it's going to happen. I'm not sitting here guaranteeing, yes, the Brewers are going to extend Willie Adamas. I'm not doing that. But what I think the Brewers should be considering and should be thinking about is the fact that, for one, Willie's not going to be any cheaper than he is right now if he has the year that he's planning on putting together. And two, let's say he gets off to a great start and starts getting more expensive, you know, starts playing really well. And he's going to be in the offseason, we'll be asking for something like Dansby Swanson money. Dansby Swanson just got $180 million. Does Dansby deserve it? Borderline, he's great defensive, always been questioned about his glove. Whereas Willie, it's kind of the other way around. Great offensive, questions about the glove. Granted, the 200 batting average wasn't very pretty last year, which is why I say he's not going to be cheaper than he is right now. I would be really working hard on it. And if it happens before opening day, awesome. If it doesn't and it happens in the middle of the year, okay, it happened. So let's let this process play out, let the due process go. And Willie, as we talked about last week after Hot Stove Cold Brews, just saying, hey, I love this city. I would love to stay here saying all the right things, not trying to create any animosity. So letting his agent handle it, that's the right way to do it. Just let the agent handle it. Tell me where to sign, and we're good to go. Uh, let's talk more about Willie. Talk about the top 10 shortstops list right now that just came out. A little bit later, we're talking prospects and more of your questions. And your phone calls and texts, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank. Talk and text line, 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I signed a very modest $3,000 bonus with the Braves in Milwaukee, which I'm sure a lot of you know. And my old man didn't have that kind of money to put out. (laughs) But the Braves took it. (laughs) To be clear, he got paid $3,000. Happy birthday to Bob Euchre. We've been playing... Uh, some clips, that one from his Hall of Fame induction speech. You can watch the whole speech, actually, on YouTube. Highly recommend it. You'll see some serious, awesome cameos in there. Some players that we've lost uh, over the years. A very young Bob Costas uh, in the crowd as well, which uh, made me smile. But it's uh, it's Bob it's Bob Uecker's birthday, man. It's a national holiday, if you ask me. So let's talk some Willie Adamas here. Uh, the MLB Network's... Top 10 right now by position continues on. A fun series they do throughout the offseason. And tonight was shortstops. Big day for the MLB Network folks because we're going to talk prospects in the next segment too. Let me just read you from 10 to 1. First of all, uh, Justin, I just want you to guess. Justin, have you seen this list yet? Do you know? I have not seen this list. Okay, so who do you think is the number one shortstop in Major League Baseball? Just top of your dome. Go. Oh, number one? Who's the best? Uh, Well, it's not going to be Tatis anymore, right? Right. He's not going to be playing short anymore. Who is it? You, you didn't guess. I don't, I don't, I don't You're know. ruining the exercise, man. <laughs> Three, two, uh, one. Just, all right. See. Well, it's not Fernando. I don't know. I don't know. All right. We're going to go from 10 to 1 here, all right? And number 10, Wander Franco. Number 9. Tim Anderson. Number eight, Willie Adamas. I love that. I think it's a perfect spot. Number seven, Bo Bichette. I'm a little angry about that one. Number six. You know I like Bo. I know you do. Number six, Dansby Swanson. 
Put your hand down, you Cubs fan. Number five, Francisco Lindor. I think that's too low. Number four, Corey Seager. I would have flipped those two. Number three, Xander Bogarts. Appropriate. All right, here we are, the final two. Can you name one of the names that we're missing? Number two, Carlos Correa. And number one, Trey Turner. How did I not guess Trey? Yeah, or Correa, for that matter. Uh, Okay, so first of all, let's talk Willie. Number eight, top ten shortstops in baseball. Shortstop is freaking loaded. If you guys looked, I mean, it seems like we're in a really, really good age for shortstops right now in baseball and how well they've been playing and the actual impact they make on teams, not just, you know, for glove. For a long time, in the the 90s and 2000s, you know, you would hear about, oh, he was a glove for a shortstop or so-and-so, you know, he could glove it, but he couldn't quite hit it. That's just kind of how the position used to be. So you look at Fangraph's war last season. Willie Adamas, despite hitting 200, you know, 238, and a 298 on base, he's still at the sixth best Fangraph's war last season among shortstops. And this goes back to my point. He's not going to be cheaper than he is right now. He was still, uh, according to Fangraph's, 4.7 wins above replacement, which means he's among the best. He's a borderline all-star when it comes to that number. Uh, he's going to make a difference for your team. And that was in a quote-unquote down year, right? Yes, he hit home runs. He set a record, 31 home runs as a shortstop. And yet, he was behind Tommy Edmond, who was at 5.6. His glove made up a lot of his war as well. Great defensive shortstop with the Cardinals. Also gets on base more than Willie. Not by much, though. Then he had Xander at 4, Trey Turner at 3, Dansby at 2, and Lindor at 1. My thought, my gut with this, I get why Trey Turner is number one. And this this list that MLB Network puts out every year is about projection into 2023, less so than what they've done so far, which is potentially why it's not Carlos Correa. But for me, when you talk about what Trey Turner's got going on, yes, he's got speed. Yes, he can get hit some home runs, 21 homers. I do worry about the swing and miss, just like I worry about the swing and miss with Willie. Granted, there's not much you can complain about. You're nitpicking when a guy hits 298. Has a 3.43 on base and a 4.66 slug as a shortstop. He's going to put the ball on the ground and he's going to run. And he's a darn good player. I don't mind him being number one. I'm fine with Correa as number two. I probably would have flipped Seager Lindor. I would have put Lindor at least number four, maybe number three over Bogarts. Swanson's fine at six. You could you could make an argument Adamas at seven over Bichette, especially defensively. Bichette's one of the worst defensive shortstops. Uh, just like his dad, I guess. But I, other, I'm fine with Willie at eight because it was it was a weird year for him. And the computers and the projections think that he's going to play well in 2023, which is all you can really ask. And for Willie to be recognized like this, that's awesome. I mean that, and also shout out to the Tampa Bay Rays and their scouting and player development that they got Wander Franco and Willie Adamas on this list. Uh, of course, you look at the the weird thing about this too. The top six guys have all signed mega deals, right? Trey Turner, giant deal to go to the Phillies. Correa, it's still a big deal, even though it's smaller than what it was. Deal stay with the Twins. Bogarts to the Padres. Seager last year to the Rangers and Lindor to the Mets. And then Swanson this past offseason to the Cubs. Those are all mega deals. And then Franco has the team-friendly deal with a bunch of incentives on it. 
Bichette, Adamas, and Anderson are like, all right, well, when's our turn to get paid? We're in the top 10. We're surrounded by money. It's going to be interesting. I think a lot of teams would love to have Willie Adamas and his personality. The Brewers certainly know that, and he knows that as well. Looking at Mike Petriello, we're going to have Mike Petriello on uh, at some point here in the near future. Mike Petriello also puts out his own top 10 during uh, the show of like what his analysis would say, what he would choose. It wasn't that different, but he did put Lindor at number one, which I was totally fine with. Uh, then Trey Turner at number two, Correa at three, Seager still at four. Then he slides Bogarts down to five. He also had Willie Adamas at number eight behind Bichette. So I I respect the opinion of Mike Petriello, baseball savant. He knows what he's talking about. But I thought this was something really interesting. He included the name on here that wasn't in the real top ten, which is borderline. Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena, number 10 on Mike Petriello's list. Astro star, first uh, rookie ever to be the uh, CS and World Series MVP in the same postseason. Pretty incredible October that he had with the, the heart fingers and everything. The As Dusty Baker calls him, the coolest Dominican dude from Rhode Island. <laughs> it's like an oxymoron saying you're Dominican, but went to school at University of Rhode Island. Shout out to John Schiffner. If you know, you know. But that's the top 10 right now. Where do you where do you stand on this? Text in. Do you think number eight is good for Willie? I think that's a fair number? Should it be higher? Should it be lower? 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. You can also tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio. D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Get back to your questions. Talk a little... Uh, Hall of Fame as well in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. This is Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I uh, did not have a lot of ability as a kid. My dad wanted me to have everything that everybody else had. I think the first thing that he ever bought me was a football. And I was very young, and uh, he didn't know a lot about it. He came from the old country. And, uh, I mean, we tried to pass it and throw it and kick it, and we couldn't do it, and it was very discouraging for him and for me. And uh, almost, we almost quit. And, and finally, we had a, a nice enough neighbor came over and put some air in it. And what a, what a difference. Thank goodness he chose baseball, right? Bob Euchre on his birthday today. That's from his Hall of Fame induction speech. I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for spending your Thursday night with us here on Brewers Weekly, uh, we got a caller in a, a second ago asking about, hey, are there any other Brewers on the top 10 list? Now, the starting Brewers has not yet been uh, released. Start, or Starting pitching top 10 has not yet been released. So I imagine Corbin Burns and or Brandon Woodruff will be on that list in some capacity. Probably just Burns, for being honest. But Devin Williams is in the top 10 for relief pitchers. That was one of the first countdowns of the offseason. Not only is he on the list, uh, and not only is he on the list and ahead of Josh Hader, Josh Hader's not even in the top 10. So Devin's listed at number three on MLB Network's top 10 relief pitchers right now. Number one is Edwin Diaz. Duh. Number two is Emmanuel Classe. Yeah. Number three is Devin. Yeah. Best pitch in baseball. The changeup. So then it goes... Evan Phillips with the Dodgers. He's nasty. Uh, Yoan Duran with the Twins. The splinker. It, the sinker, splitter. It throws it like 94 miles an hour. And it's faster than most fastballs. And it's got movement like the devil. Uh, Ryan Presley is number six. Closer of the Astros. 
Andres Munoz for the Mariners, their setup man, their fireman. Number eight was Liam Hendricks, fighting for Liam as he fights uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, fighting cancer this offseason, not the news any of us wanted to see from our friends down on the south side. Number nine, Jason Adams. If you haven't looked up Jason Adams' number, RIP former Cub. Uh, you know, he was not great with the Cubs in 21, and the Rays unlocked him in 2022. He's terrific. And then Ryan Helsley, closer of the Cardinals, was number 10, in case you're wondering. And starting pitching, uh, they have the list on here as well. Starting pitching has not yet been released. I believe it'll be in two weeks, right before... Uh, no, sorry, it'll be next Wednesday. Next Wednesday will be the starting pitching top 10, and then the following day will be pitchers and catchers. Or uh, just catchers, I should say. And then pitchers and catchers report on the 16th. So, woohoo, we're here. Uh, we're going to get a few more questions here. And uh, thanks to everybody who wrote in some questions on Twitter and on my Instagram. Uh, let's get to one here talking about the... Bally Sports bankruptcy report that came out yesterday. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's still kind of early, and that's kind of the answer here as well. But Jeff Schultz asks, with Bally heading to bankruptcy in that report, what kind of a financial hit will that be on the Brewers? So this kind of stuff is always kept close to the vest when it comes to contracts, television rights, making money by putting the games on. And if you're not familiar with Bally Sports uh, in the way that it came about, they are run by Diamond, the Diamond Sports Group, which is a subsidy of Sinclair Broadcasting. You may have heard of the name Sinclair. They own a lot of local news networks uh, across the country, you know, like your, your, your TMJ4s and your uh, Fox 6s and so on and so forth. But Sinclair, like most in the journalism industry, is bleeding money, and especially in the live sports, Bally Sports wing, especially bleeding money because it's a cable channel. And as a lot of folks know who are not on cable, like yours truly, who, you know, if you can't stream it, I ain't going to watch it. It's that simple. So they recently came out with the $20 a month thing where you can watch uh, without cable, but then they're still subject to blackout restrictions. So keep that in mind if you're thinking about that for Brewers baseball this year. That's not really a good fit for you if you're living in the market. But that gets me to one of the points here. The problem with it all is the local blackouts. It's very frustrating. And we need to fix that in baseball, especially Iowa. The fact that Iowa doesn't have a professional team and is blacked out from six teams. Think about that. They're blacked out from the Twins, the White Sox, the Cubs, the Brewers, the Cardinals. uh, And and I'm blanking on, I I believe they're blacked out by the Reds as well. What are we doing? What are we doing? And then... You look at, like, Nevada is blacked out from, like, Southern Nevada is blacked out from the Diamondbacks and from the Dodgers, and then Northern Nevada is blacked out from the Giants and the A's, which I'm like, wait a minute, Northern Nevada, Reno is blacked out from the Bay Area team? What are we doing? We need to fix that. But Bally doesn't have anything to do with that. That's Major League Baseball's old rules. They need to fix that down the road in the next CBA. But how does this impact the Brewers? The Brewers have historically had one of the cheaper rights fees for their local regional network provider. Whereas you look at the Dodgers deal, you look at the Yankees deal. Now the Yankees deal is separate for a different reason, but look, more households are able to watch those games. They're going to be able to charge a higher amount to post on regional networks. Whereas the Brewers, you know, here in Milwaukee, we have what about a a million households able to watch Bally Sports Wisconsin if every single one of them had cable. So that's why the price is a little lower. It's estimated to be somewhere around 30 to 40 million dollars, which is on the lower end of regional deals in baseball. 
So if the Brewers had that disappear, what would happen? I don't know. I'm just going to be completely honest. I do not know. I think Major League Baseball wants to step in from the central fund. They are stepping forward with, uh, we've heard about negotiations with the NHL and the NBA about creating their own standalone streaming service in order for fans to subscribe and watch all the sports, a la like we see with Bally Sports and things like that. But the other thing that's tough for Major League Baseball to figure out is that this Bally bankruptcy doesn't impact the entire league. So Dodgers, they're fine. The Yankees, they're fine. The Mets, they're fine. The prob- Part of the reason the Yankees and Mets are fine, they're owned by the team. You know, Yes Network and SNY, they're owned in part by the team. Marquee Sports Network, Cubs, partially owned by the Cubs. Uh, you look at uh, in looking around the league, there's not many others that fall into that sort of deal. Uh, but I know the Mariners have some sort of stake in root sports in the Northwest, given there's not much else on root sports uh, during the summertime. And uh, then you look at Masson as well. Both the Orioles and the Nationals have stake in that network. So it is a little odd that Bally's only impacting a handful of teams, or about a little less than half the league. Something to be figured out. I don't know it's going to impact the Brewers on a day-to-day basis, but remember, a lot of the money that the Brewers are making television-wise is not from their own deal from Bally, but from the national cut of the pie that they get. They get $60 million. Just part of the new extensions, the new rights deals that came out last year. So keep that in mind. The Brewers are still making money being on television. All right? Stay with me there. That was a long answer, so i got to take a break. It's very complicated. Nobody actually knows, and this won't even be finalized until summer. So be patient. I don't think it's going to impact the Brewers on a day-to-day basis by any means. So more questions, Scott Rowland reaction as well, and top 100 prospects coming up on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I had a very unique contract uh, uh-huh. <clears throat> with a, a sporting goods company, Rawlings, uh, to be specific. Big name. Uh, Frank Torrey, a former major league player and now a vice president. There is the only reason I got the sure. the contract, but it was a very lucrative contract uh, not to use any of their products. You've got to get a check somehow, right? I mean, credit to you, Bob Uecker. <laughs> One of the clips from Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. Uh, Bob Uecker, 89th birthday. Happy birthday to Bob Uecker. See you in spring training. So, uh, we've got a few more questions here. I want to spend some time on the lineup question. There were, This was probably the most popular question I got on social media when I put out the call. And there was one fun twist to this as well. So John, Eric, and a couple others also asked about opening day lineup. Here's what I would put out. This is just me putting on my David Stearns, or <laughs> see, I did it, David Stearns, Matt Arnold hat. Uh, there's a story to that, why I said David Stearns from before the show, but it's okay. But the... Here's what I, my lineup would be if I'm Craig Council and if I'm Matt Arnold. Christian Yelich leading off. Willie Adamas batting second. Roddy Celez batting third. William Contreras batting fourth. Jesse Winker batting fifth, DHing. Brian Anderson batting sixth. Garrett Mitchell batting seventh. Luis Urias playing second base, batting eighth. And Tyrone Taylor playing right field, batting ninth. Corbin Burns, of course, your opening day starter. That's what I would roll. I, I think that's what is likely. What I wish would be, oh, throw the rookies out there. Let's go, baby. Put them in there. Let's go. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, there's a couple of ways. You know, I, I struggled with third base. I don't know if Owen Miller would make the team outright, you know, given he got Brasso. Maybe Brasso starts at third over Anderson. A lot still to be determined between now and uh, March 30th. 
But then there's a fun caveat. McNam003, I loved this question. What's the lineup the day before the All-Star game? Meaning, what's the lineup going to look like when it's actually settled in and the season's got going? And this pertains to another question from Adam Billman as well. So, the day before the All-Star game lineup, I think is very similar. Yelich, Adamas, Winker, Contreras, Telez. But I think Freelich is in there. I don't know if Anderson's playing at this point. I'd bet it'd be Miller or Brasso it's a, if it's a lefty on the mound or whatever. Uh, I, I'd still think that Mitchell is going to be in center field, and I think Bryce Terrain will be on the team definitely by All-Star break, personally. I think Urias would be back at third, and then Terrain will be playing second base. That's what I think it would be at the All-Star game. And it leads into a couple of more questions. Uh, will the Brewers retire Brian, Ryan Braun's number? This one not doing the lineup. No, I don't. I, I don't see it happening. It's complicated. There's baggage. They had a good ceremony for him. That was nice. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, he only has one team record, which is home runs. And I, I don't see it happening personally. I think I think it's a good standard. If you're in the Hall of Fame, your number gets retired. I think that's fair. Uh, next from Brock in Surgeon Bay. How far can the Brewers go? Honestly, how far can they go? I think they can make the playoffs. I think they can win a series in the playoffs. I truly believe that. Are they good enough to win the World Series? They probably need to add something at the at the deadline. They, they need some more consistent power, which doesn't grow on trees, as we know. But I think they're good enough to win a playoff series. I really do. And I, I don't know what the win total is yet. I bet it's going to be set by Vegas somewhere at 88, 89. I think it's going to be right around there. Brewers going to finish right around 90 wins. I don't think you're going to blow the doors off the place. They might have to fight to get the 90 wins, but I think that's a good number. Another question from Brock. Who's the opening day second baseman and does South Relic start in right field? It's a good question. I think Urias is going to start at second base on opening day, as I just said. But I would love to see South Relic play right field. I think it'll be Tyrone Taylor. I would love to see South Relic make the opening day roster because remember, you get that bonus pick if he finishes top three in rookie of the year voting or top five in MVP, which that'd be shocking if South really finishes that high or Bryce Terang for that matter, there is compensation for you starting a rookie coming out of camp as opposed to the service time manipulation. We see it last year with Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman. They generated uh, a full year of service time for Adley and then for Julio an extra pick for the Mariners. So the Brewers... They have incentive to have Freelich and Terang on the opening day roster and playing and performing. So keep that in mind as we move forward into 2023. Good questions there from Brock as well. Another question from Mike. Mike asks, why haven't we heard anything about Craig Council extension? It's Craig's call. He's in his final year of his deal. It's a new-ish regime. So he's going to play it by ear for a few weeks, a few months, and then decide, yeah, I'm good. Then let's sit down and put pen to paper. I wouldn't read too much into it. We'll know more in the middle of the year, but it, it's Craig's call. It, Craig, if he wants to manage, he will manage in 2024. Plain and simple. But it's too early to think about that kind of stuff. A very short final segment. Take our final break here. Don't go anywhere. This is Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Okay, I've got like 30 seconds left. Justin Pottinger, our producer here tonight. I'm Dom Catronio. Thank you so much. For listening, quick shout-out, Scott Rowland absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not here for your takes and your arguments. Oh, he wasn't He wasn't ever an MVP. Oh, yeah, no, he was a winning player, changed the culture of the Cardinals and of the Reds when he arrived there. The best defensive third baseman of his area, full stop. Absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. 
Thank you to Justin. Thank you to the listener. I'm Dom Catronio. Keep on swinging.